0: Hi, I'm Megan Detta, and this is an AV Nation special. You're probably wondering why I am introducing it, and that's because I'm so happy to be interviewing everyone's favorite podcaster and newly inducted SCN Hall of Famer, Tim Albright. Tim, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank, thank you for having me on my own show. Okay.
0: Is it a little awkward for you? I like it's it. It's a
1: little Well, there's two awkward things. First of all, I am not old enough to be in a Hall of Fame, but thank you very much for putting me in it. Uh, And yes, you're, you're taking over much like Bradford does, but go ahead.
0: (laughs) Well, it's not about age. It's about what you've accomplished.
1: There we go. I like that.
0: You've accomplished a lot. So let's start, like, how did you get into AV? What kind of piqued your interest?
1: Oh, um, so I I was in radio uh, for a long time. That was my first real career. And uh, I did morning shows, the vast majority of that. And uh, my wife and I had our first kid. It, mornings wasn't conducive for having a kid, so especially not a baby. And I was looking for a job and um, came across one that involved my, my former college where I went to school. And uh, it was a number of things. And, and part of that was, was uh, replacing projectors every year uh, during the summer. And that was basically kind of the extent of it. And that morphed into uh, learning how to design and install and program control systems. And, and I just kind of fell in love. with it.
0: Sorry, the dog is barking.
1: That gives Mitchell something to do. <laughs> uh,
0: and okay. So when you started doing that, were you working as an integrator and end user?
1: No, I was a tech manager. Uh, I was a tech manager for a small community college in Southwest Illinois uh, called Lewis and Clark community college. And, and, um, you know, we, we had a small team, had about 300 rooms that we, that we were maintaining. And, um, you know, this was right before, uh, the major market crashes of, of the mid 2000s. So we had no money, right. Uh, not that the state of Illinois ever has money, but we had less even then. Um, and since we were a community college, we had even less than the, than universities did. So you, you kind of did, you know, you did the most with what you had. And so we learned how to do things. Right. We, we trained and thank God for manufacturer education. And I'll speak about that all day long because, you know, it really is what saved our butts um, in the 2000s because we were able to get educated and a VIXA at the time uh, had education as well. And that's where I got my CTS the first time was was through that. And, and you know, um, really learned the, the art of AV and the art of design and, and programming.
0: I think that's a really key point is that it is an art. It's not just science and technology. There is an art to it. And mm-hmm. so what do, you, what, do you, what do you do to create those experiences and make it artful and not just here's the tech that I think you need?
1: Well, it's it's simplistic, but it, it's it goes back to something Avixa has said for a number of years. and what is what are you trying to accomplish? What is the end goal, right? What's the experience you want to have? Um, and for us, for the education industry, it was you know simple um, communications for the instructors to get their message across, right to get their instructor to get to get their uh, lessons and, and and it was a it was a transitional time at least for us and and for our college because, we were not only uh, going through a digital transition in the av industry going from analog transport to, to digital transport but our our, our our faculty were as well uh we still maintained vhs's at the time and and you know transitioning from those and and making sure that we have the rights to to convert them to, to into digital and if we didn't how do you do that and and where do you put those you know that those copies um but also helping them transition from uh, Whether it was an overhead, and I swear to God, still as as late as is 2010, we were we were maintaining overhead projectors, and I do mean the old school, put a freaking you know piece of cellophane uh, on a, 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 a illuminated source, and you you throw it up uh, up there, uh, helping those 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 faculty transition to you know at least PowerPoint, right? Maybe not Prezi, maybe not something you know fancy, but at least PowerPoint um, you know, and we still, you know, there was, there was, we had one instructor, uh, who was tenured. And so you, you get damn near whatever you want, who was doing a slide still. So we had a, 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 um, a lecture hall that we were rehabbing completely from bottom to top. It's still, we had to maintain, uh, the ability to play slides because one class, one class, one, one hour class per semester, this instructor used slides. And so we had to put that into our design and, and made sure it was not only was it able to be seen on the on the projection screen but we also had to be able to control it uh, which is a whole nother you know a whole nother learning curve
0: so speaking of control that's kind of like your jam i noticed yeah. like you're always gung-ho whenever we're talking about control i go quiet and you go ham like you're so excited your face lights up so you start doing that there and then did you move into a like a full-time control position
1: um sort of so from uh the from lewis and clark um i joined an integration firm very briefly um and buddies of mine still friends of mine uh called modern communications out of, out of st louis and and um i uh was joined them uh and shortly thereafter i i kind of got headhunted and I, I don't know if it was the fact that nobody realized i was looking for a job or what but um it was a a, a an independent programming house uh, called Enovad, out of also out of st louis and they said hey you should come work for us and you should run everything I'm like well i've never been an operations manager and i'm not sure i'll ever be offered the job again so uh i took that and and it was a fantastic experience uh i learned a lot i made an awful lot of mistakes um and learned from those as well but but it was it was a great experience and um it was actually where I met uh, a number of folks, including uh, our buddy Jeremy Caldera, who he and I ended up on a job site together. And um, if you get me uh, drunk enough, I'll tell you about it. But it's, it's one of those that, it, you know, you go through years of therapy just to get over that job. Um, and uh, he and I ended up in New York together on uh, the 18th floor of, of some building in, in you know, downtown Manhattan. And uh, at, at the end of that job, and and it, we uh, we actually got purchased by an integration firm out of St. Louis, and still friends of mine today, uh, John Laughlin and, and CTI. And um, it was during that transition that that he's you know saying, "Hey, we we bought the company, and this is what we want you to do." And, and he's doing some really great things and talking about some really exciting things. And, and I'm like, "That sounds great," and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and um, it was one of those points in your life where you go, okay, you can, you can turn left or or turn right. And uh, that is when I took avianation and said, I'm going to do this full time. And um, five years ago now, four or five years ago now that that's, it's been that way since.
0: So, we're recording this in 2020, but you're in the 2021 hall of fame, which is AV Nation's Nation's 10th anniversary also occurs in 2021. So it's fitting. So how did you start AV Nation? You mentioned you started out part-time and it turned into full-time, but what gave you the desire to start this?
1: Uh, We started in 2011 and, and, um, so the, the the short version is I I I grew up my job was in radio I loved broadcasting I still do it it gets in your blood um, my first job in radio was at KMOX in St Louis and if you're if you're um, familiar with the radio industry that is one of three or four fifty thousand watt AM stations it's a, it's a blowtorch. And it is the home of Jack Buck. It was the home of Harry Carey just for the record before he ever went to Chicago and ever became a Cubs broadcaster. He was a Cardinal broadcaster just for the record. Uh, just and it's for where... the
0: record. Nobody cares about that.
1: <laughs> um, but that, that was, that was the home of the Cardinals and the home of the blues and the home of, of, you know, sports talk and, and uh, news talk. And so I, I, that's where I cut my teeth being a producer and, and um. And it was it, it gets in your blood. And so, you know, long story, you know, meandering throughout the, the, the broadcasting world and finding myself in AV and, and 2010 comes along and, and I've gotten myself into into podcasting and listening to it. And, and I was teaching audio production at the time and I was teaching my students how to do podcasting and, and I was looking around for something that resembled uh, Leo Laporte and This Week in Tech for AV. I was looking for a weekly synopsis of, of the news of the week and why it matters. And it didn't exist at the time. And uh and quite frankly we said okay, let's so I said let's let's just make it. Right, let's let's do it. I've got a broadcast background. Uh I think we can do a pretty decent job. And so in late July of 2011, I kind of, you know, virtually stuck my hand up in in the Twitterverse and said I want to do this and People kept coming, you know, and and uh, we we haven't stopped since. Uh, we record every Friday. From um, a technical standpoint, I, I was it was when uh, Google Hangouts uh, was a, was was starting to be a thing. They had just re- released it, and um, ended up on a Google Hangout uh, with one, a, a um, person from Harmon and a, and a longtime programmer. And the person from Harmon happened to be Bradford Ben. And the programmer would happen to be Mr. Rich Forgoza. and it was the three of us just chatting on Hangouts. And I'm like, "Well, I could take the output of this and put it into recorder and press record, and that would be a podcast." And I'm like, "That that works." And, and so we, we just kind of did that, right? Um, and it evolved and changed, and, and you know, we we paid for the bandwidth through side jobs that I was doing. Um, and uh, you know, you you get bigger and you evolve and you get you know more things and more opportunities. And, um, we, uh, we, we kind of got an invitation to go, to go cover ISE for the first time, uh, in, uh, 2015 was our first year. And, um, quite frankly, it was more money than, than my side jobs would cover. Uh, so we, we did a, a Kickstarter and, um, our audience and, and the folks that supported us, uh, came through and we raised 10 grand in 30 days, which was a lot of money to me. Um, still is, you know, and, 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 you know, we were able to cover that and, and, you know, we, took a bunch of us over there and Chris Netto and, and George Tucker and, and uh, Bill O'Donnell actually. And, and me, we got an Airbnb two blocks off the rye and, uh, we hung out there for a week and it was a great experience. And it was an, a, an, a time for us to kind of expand and, and spread our wings and get introduced to the European market and to the, the rest of the world. And, um, you know, then we said, okay, let's, let's kind of take this out for a spin. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I was the only employee for a long time. And then uh, about two or three years ago, we hired uh, a fantastic producer, Mr. Mitchell and um, you know, pressured him to go full-time this year and uh, hired a salesperson and and we've done a number of other things and, you know, slowly, but surely, you know, this was not, you know, what we would call an overnight success, but we're getting there. Yeah.
0: I don't think anything is truly an overnight success. I think there's always so much work behind the scenes that people don't know about. So it's good for people to hear this, you know, AV nation just didn't start out as this mega media outlet for the AV world. It really started out as some guys going, well, this will be cool. This doesn't exist. Let's do it. So how did you like get all the equipment? And I, now you have like a your full on studio.
1: Mm-hmm. Slowly, but surely, you know, um, I, when we started, so I, I mentioned the fact that I've been in radio and I, you know, when we, when I was on on the air uh, at a, at a, what we call a AAA station or an adult contemporary station, um, a uh, the last station I worked at, we was again we were on a morning show, and uh, we used EB RE twenties, and I was like, well, that's that's what I use then, so that's what I want to use now, right? Um, and again, we, it was, it was, you know, side jobs that I had done. I'm like, okay, so, you know, we, I went on, you know, I think B and H at the time or, or Sweetwater or whatever, um, and said, you know, how much are these? And they're, they're not cheap. They're not, they're not expensive, but they're not cheap, you know? And so you say, okay, this is how much this is, this is, this is important, right? This is, this is an investment in, in the quality of your, of your product. Uh, and so we purchase that, and we purchase this, and and you know, um, slowly but surely, kind of you know this, this, that, and the other, and start purchasing purchasing other things. And then you know, once you start getting sponsors, and, and folks are like, hey, you're you're kind of cool. I want I want my stuff on your on your stuff, on your shows. Um, you start getting introduced to other things, and and some of it is you know you're like I don't think I want to use you know this duct taped and bubble gummed piece of equipment. Um, but if it's a good piece of product, you know, you take a look into it and, um, sure came along and they're like, Hey, why don't you use an SM7B? And I'm like, well, I've I've, I've never heard it. So let's start there. And, um, they, they said, well, here, here's an SM7B and I'm like, Oh crap. That sounds good. And you know, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I had been a fan and, and I had used the, the, the EV mic and it's still a good mic, you know, it's, another, it's certainly not a bad mic. Uh, and I made that switch probably about two or three years ago now um, and very excited about their new USB one. But it's, it's one of those things where, where it, it, if, if you believe enough in, in the quality of a product, you're going to purchase it and, and make the investment in, in your stuff. And so that's kind of what we did, you know, kind of ad hoc as, as the time went along and, and as the needs arose, right? For a long time we rented gear um specifically you know depending on where we were um but we rented it especially if it was less expensive or a wash to rent it and bring it and have it delivered to vegas or to orlando uh as it was to to physically purchase it and, and lug it with you um and i'll still do that from time to time especially if it's if it's an event where it's just you know one or two of us you know running around and, and then you know uh, you know, we don't have to lug things back and forth.
0: So you've got the setup, you've got the products you need. How do you get the people? I know you're passionate about relationships and people in the industry love working with you. So how did you get there?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 So a number of years ago, I, I am a natural introvert uh, and people hear that and they 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 have a hard time believing that because of what I do. Um, but I, I literally am, I am a natural introvert and, and that doesn't mean that I don't like people. It just, my energy comes from sitting at home alone, you know, meditating and whatever, you know, uh, I, it's, it's, it's a job. It's, it's exhausting to hang out and, 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 you know, do what we do. I love it. Don't misunderstand, but it is, it is tiring. Um, but I, I read, um, how to win how to win friends and influence people probably about 20 years ago. And, um, as a producer, again, guess, what I was doing a KMOX, you have to reach out, you have to build those relationships and it has nothing to do with, it's not transactional, right? Um, and, um, it's not, Oh, Hey, what can you do for me? And I can do for you. It is building a relationship. And I learned that very early in my broadcasting career, because you'd talk with, you know, PR agencies or, you know, folks that you would have on, on a regular basis. And we, we, I, I, I'm watching now. Folks that I had on 20 years ago that nobody knew from Adam, but that they're being used as legal experts and, and, and election experts. Now that I think it's fascinating because, uh, you know, I know them, knew them 20 years ago um, and I could probably still email them. Right. Because of that relationship is, is because, you know, the, everything that we do in life and, and, and Brock McGinnis mentored me early on about real sales is all relationships. Well, it is. Everything else, everything else we do is also relationships, right? This is not—you are not in this alone. You are not an island. Um, how you treat people and how you treat uh, your employees, how you treat how you treat your friends, and also how you treat the people who don't treat you well will come back to you. Um, and you know, building those relationships and, and valuing people uh, and valuing what interests them is important and. Um, the, the Dale Carnegie book, you know, he'll, he'll, he says, you know, I don't know if it's famous or not, but it stuck out to me. People are, are, are inherently interested in themselves. So ask them about themselves, right? Um, and that will end up building rapport. Well, that works for me because I would much rather hear about you than I would rather hear about me. And I would much rather hear about you than I want you to hear about me again, because I'm an introvert and I've got, you know, I would much rather listen to you and, and, and find out what interests you and find out what is interesting about you. Cause I know what's interesting about me. Um, I, I'll never go bald probably. And um, I can't grow a beard. So there's nothing down here, but there's all kinds of crap up here. So there you go.
0: That is very interesting. <laughs> so When you're making these relationships, one of the things I know we're both focused on as AV journalists is diversity. How do you ensure that your show and your publication features diverse voices? And why is that important to you?
1: Um, I'll start with why it's important. Uh, Because representation is important. Uh, And that's something that I've learned. It is not something that... um, as And I, I have said this before several times. I, I am what I am. I am a white, straight guy, right? Um, middle of America, uh, born and raised and in, in, in just outside of St. Louis. And that is who I am. Um, and some of my biases, and all of us have biases, so don't, don't at me at it. We all have biases that we grew up with. Um, my biases come from that lens. And there are times when you have to ask for help in seeing some of your biases. Um, I have, I can, I could very easily swing a dead cat and have every single show and every single thing that we write and produce at AVNation be nothing but old white guys. It's very easy because the industry is full of old white guys. Um, but to do it well and to have diversity, it takes work. And the reason that it's important for diversity is because of representation. It matters to a young person of color, to see someone that looks like them and sounds like them and has had the similar experiences that they do. It's important for them to see themselves in the media. It's important for them to see themselves and their experiences represented in a positive light in the media. Media is a very powerful thing. And I, I think that the last 20 years, uh, I'm not going to put everything on the, on the last four years because that's just silly. But the last 20 years, we have really demonstrated that in the United States. Um, and if we work hard, especially those of us in the media, if we work hard to get those voices and get that representation out there, um, and again, in a positive light, I think that we will do well and we'll be able to evolve our society in, in a positive way. And the question is, how do you do that? Well, it is work. It is getting other people. Um, and I will tell on myself, and I will tell this story probably as long as somebody gives me a microphone. There are two instances. Both of them happened this year. One was with you, and one was with Charmaine Torella, uh, another member of, of the Hall of Fame class. You, uh, we put together, and I do mean threw together, uh, a virtual event called Learn From Home. It was a you know pretty pretty interesting thing we again we somebody said hey we should do this and it was right around april and we're doing our thing and working our thing and we're you know we're throwing together our program and and i don't know if it was a call or an email that you sent me and um you said hey dude there's there's no women on your panels now i didn't do that on purpose right i I didn't set out to have nothing but men um but I, again, you, you get into a habit, you get it, you have a bias, you have a, a, a rut, I've called it. Um, and we're throwing this thing together. And it's, it's okay, I know this person, I know this person, I know this person will never say no to me. So I'm going to grab that person. Right. And, and so it, it kind of stopped me. I'm like, Oh, she's right. Let's change that. Okay. Um, back in June, uh, I was doing an episode of AV Week on race and, and diversity in the industry and, and just in society in general. And I had a, had a conversation with Charmaine, and she made the comment that someone had made to her about how we don't ever have, quote unquote, any black people on AV Week. And as a uh, as a straight white guy, you 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 at least for me, you know, there's a, there's the. There's the immediate knee-jerk reaction. And of course I do. I have black friends, you know, and that's, that's just the common, you know, um, trope. Until you sit down and go, okay, no, I don't, right? I, I don't have it. And it's the same kind of reaction with you is, is I don't. And so you actively go after that. It, it's, it's, you know, um, there, are, there are folks who will push back on that. Well, you're just, you're just picking them because they're black or you're picking them because they're a woman and you're this that, and the other. Yes, they're, they're qualified, and they happen to be a woman. They're qualified to be on the show, and they happen to be a person of color. Both of those are important. And if you don't see why they're important, we're going to have to have a longer conversation. But um, a number of years ago, uh, we at AV Nation made made the commitment to say, okay, we're going to make an effort, a concerted effort, to have at least one woman on every program that we do. Now, we don't always succeed at that, but we aim to, Okay. Same thing with the person of color. After my conversation with Charmaine, I made the commitment both publicly as well as, as to us on our board. I'm going to aim to have a person of color on every one of our shows. There's a couple ways we do that. First of all, it's through processes. Um, we uh, at AV Nation, for AV Week, we have what I, what I call my gang of six. You may or may not have recognized it, but I have six people that I have on every six weeks uh, for AV Week. Uh, starting in 2021, four of those are women. Or women. One of those is a, uh, two of those are people of color rather. Um, so that's a process that I can put into place. Again, it, it happens, it puts, it puts me into a, a process. The other thing is when you're starting to schedule your shows and your programs, you, you look for people uh, and you connect with them and it goes back to relationships. You build relationships, you show that you're sincere and then people, you know, will start introducing you to others. Uh, another way is to get my stupid butt out of the way. Uh, and one way to do that is to introduce people like Frank Pacalla. Uh Frank Patacalla is taken over in a show that I had done uh, called the AV, uh, the IT AV show. First of all, he completely renamed it, which I thought was fantastic. It's, it's his completely right. Um, and, and Frank is an IT professional who works for diversified. So He's in the AV industry um, and he's a person of color. So he is taking that over completely. Um, and there, there are other ways that we can do that is, is just getting actively working to do it but if you don't do the work and you just kind of go on cruise then you're just going to kind of go down the same roads
0: I think that's wonderful and a great note to end on and as SCN hall of famer Alexis LeBroy says if you can see me you can be me and I love that you follow that mantra so Tim thank you so much for coming on your own show and letting me interview you. this was so fun tell people where they can find you and don't say not to follow you
1: don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, at, by the time this airs, I will have already finished my hard 75. You'll still get some fitness stuff from me because um, my, my aim is to beat Chris Netto. Um, I know it's not a competition, but it's a competition. Um, and at, by the time this airs, the the Bears will already have been kicked out of the playoffs if they even make it. The Blues will be in the midst of hockey, hope and pray to God. So, uh, yeah, go by the website, avionation.tv.
0: And you can follow him on Twitter at T.D. Albright. You could do that And you can follow A.V. Nation at A.V. Nation TV. I'm Megan Detta from SCN. You can follow me on Twitter at SCNMag or at Megan A. Detta. And you can check out Tim and all of our other Hall of Famers on our website at avnetwork.com.